This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. Today's message is from our I Am sermon series. In this series, we're looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus, discovering who Jesus is according to his own words, and how this impacts us today. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message encourages you. Well, it's great to see you guys this morning. If you're joining us online, we're so grateful. Today we're continuing in a series kicked off last week called I Am. For 2,000 years, people have been trying to figure out exactly who is Jesus. And and people have said maybe he was a good teacher, maybe he was a great miracle worker or prophet or philosopher or a founder of a world religion. But what we're doing in the course of this series is we're looking at Jesus in his own words. Who did he say he was? There's a handful of statements in the Gospel of John where that begin with Jesus saying, I am. Last week, Pastor Jericho did a great job talking about I am the bread of life. Today, we're gonna look at another one of these statements. If you have your Bibles, go over to John chapter eight and verse 12. We're gonna look at Jesus in his own words. Who did Jesus say he was? And we see here John eight, verse 12. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. This is a big moment here. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony's not valid. And so this idea that that somebody would interrupt Jesus in the middle of this big statement, big, big deal. It was sort of like a Will Smith kind of moment. It was, (laughs) Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and I know where I'm going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. And so Jesus makes this grand statement. He says, I am the light of the world. And when Jesus says this, he's telling us at least three giant things about himself. Here's the first thing he's saying. He is saying, I am sovereign God. One thing that people say, one of the most common responses by people who don't believe that Jesus is God is they say, well, Jesus never said I am God. And if you're looking for Jesus to say those three words just like that, that's true. Jesus never said I am God. But what Jesus did do is dozens of times say in other words, I am am God, and this is one of the two or three clearest statements where Jesus is declaring his own divinity. See, here's the context. Jesus is doing uh, all of this preaching and teaching at the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. What it was, was was this giant Jewish holiday where, where, where they would remember the time where God delivered them out of Egypt and how they were basically, their ancestors, camping out in the wilderness. And so imagine like a really God-honoring 
burning man. These people are like having this giant camp out, remembering this time when their, when their ancestors were, were camping out in the wilderness. And, and there were a couple of big ceremonies as a part of this. One thing that they were very focused on remembering was God providing water for them when they had no water, the water from the rock. And so every night as a part of this seven days, they, they would have this ceremony where, where this priest would, would make this trek with this water and pour it out, remembering God providing this water. And so what we see in John chapter seven is as, as a, at that same moment of this water time, Jesus says in John seven thirty seven, he says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus here saying something similar to what he said to the woman at the well. And he does this at this moment of, of this key moment of this festival, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. And so, but there's this other moment that they would do where every night of the feast, they would, giant, they would light these two giant candelabras, these giant fires where, where you could see this fire from anywhere in Jerusalem. It was this giant, giant candelabras. And so on, on, after the feast was over, uh, they'd done this fire lighting ceremony seven nights in a row. On the next night, Jesus went to the exact place where those fires had been lit the previous nights and Jesus stands there and Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And so what Jesus there is doing is he's fully identifying himself with that, because those, those, those candelabras were lit to remember God leading the children of Israel as a cloud by day and as a fire by night. So they would light these giant fires, remembering that, that God was this, appeared to them as this fire by night. Jesus goes to the same place the night after the festival was over where they'd lit in these, these lights the previous seven nights. Jesus says, I am the light of the World. And Jesus there is identifying with an in Exodus 13, where it says, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud, and by night in a pillar of fire. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you're here remembering when God led you as a pillar of fire. I'm here to tell you, I am the light of the world. Jesus is clearly identifying himself with God himself. It was an incredibly bold statement, which is the reason that the, the religious leader said, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are at this place where we're remembering God appearing to us as, as this light of fire saying that you are the light of the world? Who do you think that you are? It's because he was declaring himself to be God. It was an incredibly bold statement. We see this idea as God, um, as this picture of light throughout the Old Testament. Psalm 27, one, David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 60, verse one. It says, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon. You see, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. And this is kind of this image of, of, of the last things when God's making everything right. It says, the sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of sorrow will 
end. And so Jesus is telling us some big things about himself. He is getting up and boldly declaring himself to be the God of the universe. Here's the second thing Jesus is doing. He is saying, I am the source of real life. I am the source of real life. John loves, in, the, in his gospel and in, and in his letters, John loves to talk about this idea of God as light, as Jesus, as the light of the world. He, he begins his gospel in John chapter one, talking about this stuff. Let me show this to you. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This word, word, this word, 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 word. Um, this word, logos, which is, uh, which is word. He's speaking as this, of this as a name of Jesus. He said the word was with God, the word was God. This picture of the Trinity says he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. But here's a really powerful few words. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. So what John here is saying is this thing that we know in science, you can't separate light and life. You can't separate life and light. These things are inseparable. They are very much together. He says, in him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So here's the thing. All of life is dependent on the sun. All, everything on earth that's alive is dependent on the sun. Through the process of photosynthesis, plants are able to take in the light and turn it into these sugars, and that, and that is really at the, the baseline of the entire food chain. Without that happening, all of life ceases to exist. And so here's what Jesus is saying. At this feast, the, day, the, day, the previous moment in the feast where Jesus says, I, I am the water that any thirsty can, anyone who's thirsty can come and drink. And now Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. And then last week when Pastor Jericho preached, I am the bread of life. Here, here's something that, that's incredibly true. If you, have no, if you have no sunshine and you have no water and you have nothing to eat, you are certainly dead. And so what, Jesus, what we see here is Jesus is identifying himself with three of the most basic things that are absolutely essential and necessary for life. And, and so what Jesus is saying here is, is, I'm sovereign God, but I am also the source of all real life. And Jesus is saying, these things, water and light and bread, these things that you cannot imagine going without, these things on which all of creation, all of, all of life depends, this is me. All of life is ultimately from him in creation, John says, that all through, all, through him all things were created. But Jesus is saying far more than that. What Jesus is saying is he's saying, I am the source of all real life and flourishing. That's why Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. He, he, he says all of life, that all of real life and flourishing comes from me. He's obviously talking about spiritual life, being spiritually alive as opposed to spiritual death. He's obviously talking about immortality and living forever. 
But he's also talking about this whole other quality of life, this whole other nature of life. When the Bible talks about eternal life, it, it definitely speaks of living forever, but it also can be translated, where it says eternal, it can also be translated the, the life of the ages, speaking of a, a whole different quality of life. And so what Jesus is saying is this. He's saying anything, that any life that is separate from me isn't real life at all. He says, I am the source of all real life, just like you need water to live, just like you need light to live, just like you need bread to live. I am the source of all real life. Here's the third thing Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am the source to every problem you face. I am the solution to every problem that you face. What we see in Acts 26, Paul's in this moment, he's talking to King Agrippa. He's in this moment where Paul is recounting when, when he first encountered Jesus, where he was saved, and where God gave him his mission. And we see here Acts 26, 17. He says, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. And so now Jesus is gonna unpack a little bit for Paul. When, when Jesus says to Paul, you know, he says you're gonna turn them from darkness to light, Jesus unpacks a little bit of some of the things that includes. He says, and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified, those who have been made holy by faith in me. And so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's saying so much. He, he, he's saying, I, I, I'm the solution to every big problem you face. I'm gonna turn you from, from, from darkness to light. And by that, I'm, I'm talking about having your sins forgiven. I'm talking about no longer, no longer being under the forces of the devil, but now being a part of this kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, it's this big, big deal. See, as you think about light, there's few things that we can think about that have a, a greater effect. See, when we talk about light, we're saying in a world marked by evil and sin, light speaks of goodness and righteousness. So we know that, that the term darkness is a euphemism for evil. You meet somebody that feels really creepy and evil, but it feels rude to say, oh wow, that guy feels creepy and evil. So you say, you know what, he has a darkness to him. By that you mean he's really creepy and evil. And so in a world marked by evil and sin, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's speaking of goodness and righteousness. In a world marked by confusion, light speaks, reveals truth and direction. The Bible tells us, the psalmist says that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my Path. Sometimes we just don't know where we're going until some more light is shown. And so in a world that is known for incredible confusion, when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he's saying, I am the truth. We're gonna talk about that in a few weeks where Jesus says, I'm the truth. But in a world mar marked by confusion, light reveals truth and direction. And a world marked by fear and anxiety. I don't know that there's ever been a time in modern history for a very long time where, where, where there's been so much fear and anxiety. And in a mar world marked by fear and anxiety, Jesus brings light and peace. Every one of us at one point were a child, 
that, that said, I'm scared of the dark. Those of us that have had children have had those moments where they say, mom, dad, can you turn on that nightlight? Can you leave the door cracked? It's dark and I'm scared. And, and even as adults, there's moments where you go into an unknown situation and it's very dark and you just feel a little uncomfortable. You don't know who's there or what's around the corner. Everything feels just a little scarier in the dark. And so in a world marked by fear and anxiety, Jesus brings light and peace. In a world marked by hopelessness and depression, Jesus speaks, Jesus as the light of the world speaks of hope and joy. Modern history, there's never been a time where more people have been diagnosed with depression than this time in which we're living right now. And in a world marked by hopelessness and depression, we, we've all heard that phrase. You're coming out of a tough moment. It's been really, really difficult, but now things are looking a little better. And you say, you know what? I'm feeling a little bit better because there's light at the end of the tunnel. We know that light speaks of hope. And, and in fact, there's people that, uh, you, you know, whether you live in, in, in a place like Reno or but even more common in places like Alaska and Seattle where in the winter they don't get enough sunlight. People actually go into a depression, seasonal affective disorder. You can actually on Amazon buy yours if you have that. You can buy this special lamp that's supposed to help you with that. Maybe you live with someone that has some of that. I, I think I, we all kind of seem to have a better mood when there's more light outside. And, and so this idea that, that in a world marked by hopelessness and depression, light speaks of hope and joy. And a world that feels ugly at times, Light is beautiful. Now, how many of you, raise, raise your hand, how many of you have like bistro lights hanging on your patio or on your fence? Raise your hand. If you have those full time, keep your hands raised. Good job. Some of you guys care, care about what your patio's like. And um, now keep your hands raised. How many of you also put up Christmas lights in the, in, at Christmas time? See? Now, the thing of it is, is we know whether it's bistro lights, Christmas lights, or looking at city lights, our eyes are drawn to the beauty of light. And, and, and when, Jesus, when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, what, he, what he's saying is all of the things that your eyes are drawn to, nothing is going to be as beautiful as when your eyes are drawn to me. And so Jesus is making this incredibly bold statement. He's standing in the place where that would symbolize that God's leading them by the cloud by day and a fire by night. He declares this giant statement, I am the light of the world, where someone felt the need to stand up and say, hey, you can't say that about yourself. And Jesus said, I certainly can. And in doing so, he's saying, I'm sovereign God. I'm the source of life and I'm the solution to every problem you face. And he's inviting us to three responses to this statement. Here's the first one. He's inviting us to follow him and walk in the light. What does that mean? John chapter eight, verse 12. He said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What Jesus is saying is just like our ancestors followed that, that cloud by day and fire by night, I want you to follow me like that. I want you to draw close to me. He, he's inviting us to, to draw close to him. And in doing so, he says, you're following me. You're not gonna walk in darkness. You're gonna have this light of life. Have you ever seen a tree or a plant that looks like it's growing in a funny direction? What happens sometimes for a tree or a plant, if something is, is causing them to not have direct access to the sunlight, what that tree or that plant will begin to do is it will begin to grow towards the light. Have you ever seen this? 
It'll begin to grow towards the light because it knows it needs that light to have life and health. And so what Jesus is saying is he's saying, position the direction of your life towards me, towards the light that is me. And, And here's one way you know that. Someone that's really, the people that are really close to Jesus never are going through life just talking about how much they've got it all together. The people that are really close to Jesus are never talking about just how, how, how they've got no sin in their life. Because here's the thing, what light does is it reveals and it exposes. And so the, the closer we are to the light that is Jesus, the more we're aware of how far we have to go. Let me show this to you, John. And, and first John, John, continuing this light theme, he says this. He says, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. But then he says this. He says, if we say we have no sin, We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, as we walk in the light, we see ourselves and our sin more clearly. So John says, hey, if you're going around saying that you don't ever sin, he says, man, you you have been deceived. You're not walking in the light because light allows you to see yourself and your sin more clearly in comparison to Jesus, who you're also seeing more clearly. Clearly, here's the second thing that Jesus invites us to do. He invites us to believe in him and to become children of light. John 12, Jesus says to them, he says, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. He says, I'm gonna be here with you live in person physically just a little while longer. He says, walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Have you had that moment? I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and as I'm walking towards the bathroom, I, I have that moment. My room is dark. And you ever had that moment where you like hit your leg on something in the middle of the night? I swear, we had this corner of our bed that I feel like in the nighttime goes out about 12 inches farther out than it is in the daytime. It feels like about once a month, I, I, I will just like hit my knee on that corner of the bed so then Claire is awoken to my screaming. <laughs> she thinks someone's there to kill us, it's just the bed trying to kill me. <laughs> Jesus says, whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. He says, believe in the light while you have the light. Why? So that you may become children of light. And then this next little phrase I find hilarious. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. It's like almost like Jesus is like, hey, let's close in prayer. And then while their heads are bowed and eyes are closed, he just runs around the little bush there and is just hiding. (laughs) Jesus is playing hide and seek with the disciples. He goes and he hides himself from them. But I love that he says, believe in the light while you have the light that you might become children of light. What does that phrase, children of light, mean? I think it means a handful of things, but here's one thing it certainly means. When when Jesus is saying that as you believe in me and believe that I am the light of the world, believe that I am sovereign God and the source of all real life and the solution to every problem that you face, as you come to me as the light of your life, here's what he's saying. He's saying, my life, my light 
will be what defines you. So if someone, something's referred to as, as a child of something, children of something, it's saying that this, this, that final word is the thing that defines these children. So when he says, you, you, as you believe in me, you will become children of light, what he's saying is, as my light will be what defines you as a person. And so the goodness that Jesus brings begins to define us. The truth that the light of Jesus brings begins to define us. The life that the light of Jesus brings begins to define us. The peace that the light of Jesus, that the light of Jesus brings defines us. The hope that the light of Jesus brings defines us. That his joy defines us. And so what Jesus says is, as you believe in me, not just in your head, but the core of who you are in a way that you're fully trusting and relying and depending on me as the sovereign God, the source of life, the solution to every one of your problems. As you believe in me, my light will be what defines you. It will define everything about who you are. So what this means is this. It's a great diagnostic tool for us. In those moments in our life, when, it's, when the, the hope of Jesus is not defining me and the peace of Jesus is not defining me and the truth of Jesus is not defining me, when, when those things are not defining me, what that is is it, it's a cue for me to step back and say, am I believing in this moment and with, and, and with all that I am, am I really believing in Jesus, the light of the world? Am I really believing in Jesus, the light of the world, who is sovereign God? Am I really believing in Jesus, the light of the world, who is the source of all real life and flourishing? Am I really believing in Jesus, the light of the world, who's the solution to every problem I face? Because as what Jesus says is, as you fully believe in me, what's gonna happen is my light will be what defines you as a person. You'll be children of light. Here's the last thing, and we're done. Jesus is inviting us to point people to him and in doing so to reflect his light. You know, of all of these statements that Jesus makes, he says, I'm the bread of life. He says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. He says, I'm the resurrection and, and the life. He says, I am the vine. In all of those statements, Jesus never then says, hey, you're the bread of life and you're the vine. And you're the way and the truth and the life. In fact, what he says, he says, oh, you're the vine and I, I'm the vine and you're the branches. He never says you're the vine. There's only one of these statements that Jesus in his own words defined himself by where he says, I am the light of the world, where at another moment he says, hey, you are the light of the world. It's the only time. And so what Jesus is inviting us to do is to point people to him. And in doing so, we reflect his light. I think in a lot of ways, Jesus is like the sun who is producing so much more light than we could ever wrap our heads around. Jesus is like the sun, and what he's doing is he's inviting us to be the moon. The moon, which doesn't have light in and of itself, but the, but the moon is simply reflecting the light of the sun. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter five, he says it this way. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Anyone remember as a child singing that, little, that song, this little light of mine? And you hold your little finger up, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. See, 
you know. And that's what Jesus is saying here. That song's just the words of Jesus. He said, don't, don't, don't hide your light. He said, instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What Jesus says here, says you're the light of the world. As you reflect my light with your good deeds, what you're doing is you're pointing people to my Father in heaven. Jesus is, is inviting us to point people to him through our words, through our good deeds, and when we do so, we become the light of the world. We reflect his light. What we do is, and we do this, when we, when we do this, we're bringing healing to a world of hurt. We see this moment here in John chapter nine where, where Jesus heals somebody and talks about himself again as the light of the world. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? His man, this man or his parents, people back then, believed the same lie that some people believe today that, that, that if something bad happens to you, it must have been your fault or your parents' fault. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I think Jesus here is tying back over what we see in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is saying, hey, well, I'm walking around on earth. I'm the light of the world, but there's gonna be a moment where I ascend to heaven, and at that moment, it's your job to reflect my light. You will become the light of the world. After saying this, one of Jesus' most fascinating sort of gross miracles, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. I find this fascinating in a number of ways. Jesus could have healed Jesus, this guy any other way he wanted to. He decides this time it's gonna involve a loogie is how it's gonna go. Spits in his hands, gets some mud, rubs it on the eyes. I love how Jesus doesn't tell the guy he's been healed. Hey, you got some mud on your eyes. Why don't you go wash that off? I love Jesus all the ways, but funny Jesus is my favorite. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. But Jesus, in the context of this healing, talks about himself as the light of the world. And so as we reflect the light and we bring healing to a world of hurt, as we reflect the light, we bring peace in a world filled with fear. As we reflect the light, we bring hope in a world of hopelessness. As we reflect the reflect. <laughs> Hooked on phonics work for me. As we reflect the light, we bring goodness and light in a world that feels evil and dark. It's easy in these times, if you watch the news and focus on everything in the world, it's easy to feel like, wow, it just feels like a dark time. But here's the good news. The light shines the brightest in the darkest moment. And what a dark world is an opportunity for is, is for the church of Jesus as we reflect the big light, the, the, the giant light who's like the sun, Jesus, the light of the world, as we reflect like that moon. We don't wanna reflect like a moon. Yeah, there's some nights you can barely see the moon. You got clouds and it's, the, the lunar cycle is such, there's not a whole lot of light there. And honestly, I think a lot of times that's where we kind of live as the church where it's like, gosh, I guess if you look close enough, you can see there's a little bit of light up there. 
But then there are those nights where it's a clear night on a really, really bright full moon where it's providing enough light that you don't even need a flashlight to go on a walk. You can see because there's enough light reflecting off the sun and, 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 and I, it's in those moments where I think that's who we're supposed to be. Not some small little crescent moon, not some little half moon, that this giant, bright, full moon reflecting Jesus, the light of the world. And the light shines the brightest in the darkest moments. We do this by reflecting the, the light of Jesus. We do this as we point people to Jesus through our good deeds and through our words. And I'll tell you this, there's probably not a time of year where it's easier to do this than over the next couple of weeks. As we, as we approach Easter, I wanna share with you a couple of thoughts. One is I wanna encourage you to invite people this Easter. As you leave, though, there's some little handouts, some little cards, big and small ones. You can take both. And, and here's a, a true stat. 80% of people that don't regularly go to church say if a friend or family member invited them to go to church with them, they would try it out at least once. But, but I believe that number goes up even more on Easter. People that were thinking, yeah, I'd be willing to go, and they don't already have Easter plans. I believe the stat goes even higher on Easter. The way to make the stat like 98% true is this is you say to your friend, you say, hey, come with me to, on Easter, and then we're gonna buy you brunch at the Atlantis. <laughs> it's like 98%. <laughs> They're gonna go. And so it's a chance to be the light of the world, to point people to Jesus. Next week, we're going to uh, um, have some yard signs that'll just say Easter at Life Church, and you can grab those as you leave next week and just put it in your yard and just kind of a, a, an easy way. And, and then next week, some of you will remember a number of months ago after service, we went and delivered about 800 bags to new people that are new to South Reno. And we're not knocking on doors. We're not talking about anything. We are just dropping off a bag at their doorstep. And so next week after service, we're gonna have a bunch of those bags on the outside. Uh, there's a cool gift. Welcome to Reno. We're glad you're here. Cool gift inside. And then on the outside is just an invitation to our Easter egg hunt and to our Easter service. Just some very easy things that you can do to reflect the light of Jesus by pointing people to him. So here's my last question. Is Jesus the light of your life? Is his light defining your life? Or are you living with him as your God, as the source of your life and the solution to your life's biggest problems? Is he the one that you're following? Is his light defining you? Let me pray for you. Maybe you're here and you've never made the choice to see Jesus as your God, to see him as the source of your real life, no longer just existing, but really living the way you were made to live. And you've never seen Jesus as the solution to your biggest problems, the biggest of which being the fact that we all find ourselves broken and sinful, we all find ourselves separated from God, full, fully deserving punishment for every wrong thing we've ever done. But Jesus came to solve that problem and that Jesus lived the perfect life that you never could and I never could. 
And then Jesus chose to take the punishment that I deserve for my sin and you deserve for your sin. Dying on a cross in our place. That's what we're gonna be focusing on the next couple of weeks, that Jesus came, lived the perfect life so that he might die the death that I deserve to die and that you deserve to die. Took the punishment, took all of the weight of all of the sins of the world upon himself in a way that goes beyond our comprehension. And then he rose from the dead, conquering our greatest threats and enemies, conquering sin and death and hell so that we wouldn't have to go through life with a bunch of guilt and shame and regret for every bad thing we've ever done. We wouldn't have to go through life fearing death and what happens after we die. It's a solution to our greatest problems. And Jesus is inviting you to believe in him, to fully place your faith and trust in him, depending on him, knowing that you could never do enough to save yourself, that you're believing in him to save you, believing that he's the son of God and that he died in your place and rose from the dead, believing really that he's your only hope. Jesus is inviting you to believe in him and to follow him, that his light would begin to define your life so much that you would begin to reflect his light to others. And I wonder if some of you have just never made that choice. Maybe you've done some church stuff, been around some religious things, but it's never become real for you, never become personal for you. Or maybe this is the first time you've ever heard these things in your whole entire life. But there's something inside of you saying, this is what I need to do. I need to give my life to Christ. I just wanna give you a chance to do it. You could pray something like this. It's not even about the words we say. Really, it's just about our heart crying out to God, just saying, I want you to save me. I want to give you my life. But there's power to these moments where we can look back in time and know in that moment, I did business with God. As I pray this out loud, you can pray something silently in your heart, something like this. God, I need you. God, I I need you to save me. And I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that he died in my place, taking the punishment I deserve. And I believe that he rose from the dead. God, I believe that he's my only hope. And I wanna live my life as his follower. I don't wanna keep living life where I'm in charge, going my own direction, doing my own thing. But God, I wanna wanna give Jesus the steering wheel of my life, making him in charge no longer living on my own terms, but following Jesus for the rest of my life. And so Father, even right now, would you come and live inside of me and take control of me in the person of your Holy Spirit? I wonder with our heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, it's just me and you. I wonder how many of you would say, you know what, I prayed that prayer for the first time and really meant it. I just gave my life to Christ. If that's you, I just wanna celebrate with you. With No one look around, just you and me. I'd invite you just wherever you're at, just look up and just raise your hand a little bit and look up at me and let your eyes meet mine. Just raise your hand and let your eyes meet mine right now if you just prayed that prayer with me. I see you over there. I see you there in the middle. Anyone else over on this side? Anyone say, you know what? I just prayed that prayer to give my life to Christ. I just wanna celebrate with you. Just raise your hand. I see you, sir. I see you over there, I see you there in the front row. Anybody else, you know what, I just prayed that prayer to give my life to Christ. Anybody else? I see you guys in the back. I see. So Father, you see every set of eyes, you see every hand, but God, more than that, you see every heart. Lord, I pray that you'd take this seed that is 
been planted, the seed of the, your gospel, or that it would grow up, or that these folks really would be the children of light, that their, your light would define their lives for the rest of their life, that they would chase hard after you and follow you for the rest of their lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to catch more of the I Am series and to hear more messages like this. You can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com.